Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver. Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I'm uh, I've got the pleasure of uh, of chatting with somebody who I initially came across on on LinkedIn, and then we attended a network event together. And I thought he's got a really interesting story that I'd really like him to share, and hopefully a lot of value that you'll get from it. So, um, I would like to welcome James Perryman to Business Problem Solved. How are you, James? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Lee? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. So for those people that haven't met you, don't know who you are, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? So I'm James Perriman. You've covered that bit. Um, I'm, so I live in the northwest, uh, have car, access to airport, train stations, everything. So wheel travel. Uh, what do I do? So I'm self-employed. Um, got my own business. It's called Momentus. And I, I help either individuals, business owners or people within a business become a better version of themselves. And I know that's a phrase that gets used a lot by people and tends to raise an eyebrow and, and people think, okay, what does that mean? Essentially, I work with people who are quite frustrated. They're probably mid-career and they've lost their motivation. They believe they should be doing better in their career than they are. And everything is kind of collapsing around them because they're, they've just lost their way a bit. They've lost their focus and they need that help to really understand, you know, where am I heading? What do I want to achieve? How do I get there? How do I cut some of the noise out? And I do that through one-to-one coaching, through running workshops, and and also uh, at a bigger level, doing some consultancy work with organisations where they know there is a cultural problem, um, and it's at a bigger level, and I help them think about it on a on a wider level, a company level. Got you, got you. So, how did you get to that position to or to position yourself to help people become a better version? So I've got so many questions actually. So, first question is, how did you get to this position? Um, and then maybe if you can touch on why Momentus. Of course, no problem. So, I got employed at the end of two thousand and fifteen. So, I've been in corporate life for the best part of about twenty years, um, and. A couple of times through that journey, through through my corporate life, I realised that I probably wanted to do more, but I, I wasn't ready for it. But I think the important thing was I had I had my own times during that journey where I was the kind of person I work with now. So I I became frustrated. I I lost my motivation. Naively thought that my progress within my career would happen to me at a certain point. A hand would come on my shoulder and say, "James, it's your turn to be promoted." To lead this team or to move to a different area we've seen what you've been doing and we think you're great and I now know that's not how it works um, you've got to do good work without a doubt you've got to be performing well but you've got to also take the onus for your own development and you've got to let people know that you're ambitious and that you're hungry to progress and find the right people find the right opportunities and make them happen um, and that's what I wasn't doing I was just thinking I was doing the right thing and I was just working too many hours on the wrong thing, not engaging with the right people, had the wrong people in my network and, and just wasted too much time. So when I had the opportunity to leave that corporate life at the end of 2015, I was pretty clear on what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to help people who were like me um, and, and 
yeah, kind of add some value to their lives and to their careers. Go, go on then. So just just talk about Memento. So it's a it's an interesting um, name. It's an yeah, it's an interesting business name. How did you come up with Momentous? What what, what was it that that sparked that? That sparked it. It was um, it was the output of a conversation in a pub with a couple of beers, but with a proper yeah. company that went behind it. So so in trying to think of what should the company name be, there was a long conversation of well, what do I want to do? Who do I want to work with? What do I want them to achieve? What do I want them to be thinking and feeling about when they work with me? And essentially. It's made up of two words. It's made up of moment and us. And for me, it's about the working with people and helping them reach that moment where they know their true capability, they know their potential, and they you almost see their light, their eyes light up, and the light bulb clicks on, and they know they absolutely know. And it's a wonderful moment. And that was where the word moment came from. Last bit comes from uh, the fact that I want them to remember that it was. A journey that we went on together to get them to that point. I kind of want to leave a bit of a footprint where they say, I was there, I helped you do this. And you know, if ever you, you need another conversation, you need me to come back and help with the next stage or something else, then you know, I want to have that ongoing relationship. So it was a mix of moment and us. Got you. Yeah. And, and have, you had a, have you had a particular moment? That... Have I had a particular moment? Yes, I've had lots of moments. And I think, <laughs> I think for me, moment's a word that we we use so often in life you'll you'll hear people say oh i just had one of those moments or in that moment i realized what i could do or i realized what i'd done wrong and but actually for me a moment is really significant um I kind of my analogy is that they can a moment can come in three different ways we can either see it ahead of us and we can see it happening and we can prepare for it we sometimes find ourselves in the moment and we're there in it, living it, and they've got to do the right thing. And sometimes it comes up and takes us by surprise. And you know, we find ourselves in the moment, but actually, it's not a great moment. Got you, got you. So go on, to give it, give us one of your moments. So it has been a, I guess. So, and, and the reason why I want to understand this is, is I'm, so I'm a big, big believer in there's things that happen in people's lives that that then shape what they what they do next. You were you were in the corporate world. Um, and then, then something something must have happened, and then you decided to then become self-employed. You've then been sat in a pub having a few drinks, and you've you've kind of crystallised this definition to yourself of, of a moment and more uh, and moments and moments together, I guess. So give it, give us one of one of the moments. So if you help people achieve um, better versions of themselves, um, what was a moment in your life that kind of twigged, and you thought, okay, I, I can be better. Um, I think one of the important ones for me, which was probably one of those moments that crept up on me and bit me, but in hindsight, I could have seen it coming. So about uh, 12 years ago, while I was in that corporate life, I was working ridiculous hours. I was living in Kent. I was working across London, uh, Slough, just out of London, Leeds, uh, Liverpool, Glasgow every now and again. And so I would spend my whole week traveling, living out of a hotel. And, um, and I, I was enjoying it. It felt like a bit of a buzz. And I, I did use the term that I was riding the wave because it felt quite good. What I didn't realize was I was burning myself out. So I was doing all that traveling, staying away, wasn't eating particularly well, wasn't exercising particularly well. I would get back home on a Thursday night. The, the, the token bit of exercise would be a bit of football training with 
team that I played with get back, I would shower from having played football, and then I would work all through Thursday night with Red Bull, with coffee, because I believed that I had so much to do, and naively thought that you know doing it all would make me invisible to the right people and would get that promotion and pay rise and everything that went with it. And um, so I just worked all through Thursday night and then tried to work on Friday, but of course. I really wasn't productive. I wasn't effective. I was no good to myself or anyone else, but I did the best I could. Saturday was then kind of catching up, playing football. Sunday was then getting mentally ready back for work again. And, you know, another, another week living out of a hotel. And I explained that for months and months. And it was, uh, as I said, kind of many years ago and it came to Christmas and my dad kind of just spotted a bit of a rash on my neck. Um, I was walking past him and asked me what it was and it turned out to be psoriasis kind of the early stage of psoriasis which then spread head to toe all over me and when I spoke to the doctor that's where I uttered the phrase but I'm riding this wave I'm loving it and he said you might be but your body has just said bad enough and for me that was that moment of realization and of course I sat back and looked and thought well it all makes sense I'm not eating well I'm not exercising well I'm not even sleeping well and, you know, certainly a Thursday night working all through the night isn't anywhere near sleeping well. Of course this was going to happen. I mean, of course it was. So it, that moment took me by surprise, but it, was, it instigated one of the biggest changes in me in terms of my approach to work, how I took care of myself at work, how I took care of myself personally as well. And I've kind of told this story to lots of people who... I see doing very similar things and I think I, I want you to hear my story and hear what happened to me because you know it was it did change me you know when suddenly you go from looking like uh, you do every day and then suddenly you are covered in psoriasis people look at you different they, they don't want to shake your hand they they, <laughs> they don't want to come near you and it's it's really quite different and it's difficult so um, you know that whole process of accepting it knowing that I've got to change something and being able to talk about it was was really important to me and it's you know that was as I said years and years and years ago but some of the the ways in which I learned to manage myself better my time better, even they, they carried on through corporate life and I still use them now being self-employed and you know having a business there's still times where I know if I don't watch out I could end up in that situation again so Got you. put all the right things in place to make sure I don't yeah. So just give us some of the give us some of the things that you did to help you because I, I speak to a number of people that are, I guess, in a very similar place to, to mm-hmm. where you were then working a lot of hours, finding themselves in particular positions and not, I guess, just in the in the rat race and not being able to get yep. out of it because they need bills to pay and things. So mm-hmm. so what advice or how how do people get out of that? One of the biggest things I think is to uh, is to recognize that you are in that position and I think it's, you know, as I said, one of the things I do now is coaching. And so my advice would be is to speak to someone, ideally someone that has a coaching skill set um, and offers those kind of services because they're not going to provide you with all the answers, but they will help you find them and they will have tools that they can use to, to help you. And I think it's it's a big thing with, you know, mental health awareness and, and stress awareness that talking is the biggest thing. People have to be able to just stick their hand up and say, I need some help. I'm struggling. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sinking more and more. I'm finding more days now where I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to work. And, and it's time for me just to reach out for some help. So that for me, that's one of the biggest things 
the kind of being healthy in terms of how you eat, what you eat, how you exercise, I think it's important to work out where you can fit that into your life. And it is difficult if you're sat in the car from six in the morning till eight getting to work and then you sat at the desk until five, maybe six, and then you're in the car again for two hours and you get back, you probably, you're not going to eat well in all that time necessarily. You're not going to exercise and it's probably the last thing you want to do when you get home. You probably just want to chill out, relax, and then it won't be long before you get into bed to then start it again the next day. So the important thing is to think where during the day can I get just a few extra steps in and just do something. And is there a meeting I've got with someone where we don't have to sit in a meeting room to have a one-to-one or maybe a three-way discussion. We could have a walk around the building, outside the building, inside the building. Um, could I, um, in order to drink more water, which is obviously kind of a very healthy thing, can I make myself walk to the water dispenser or the shop or whatever it might be that's at the furthest end of the building to go and fill my flask up again or fill my bottle up? Um, and just, just those little things that help you, they just make a little bit of a difference. Um, and I think it's, it's so easy to, to just look at things in a black and white way and say, I've got no time to exercise. I've got no time to eat well. I've got no time for my family. I haven't got time for friends. I haven't got time for a social life. You do. You've just got to look at it in a different way. Um, a great example was um, probably um, while I've been self-employed, it was I think in my first year of being self-employed, I, I picked up quite a bit of consultancy work and, and it meant I was away from home a number of days in the week. And um, so I was a member of a gym where I live, a uh, member of rugby team, I was captaining rugby team. And suddenly I wasn't able to go to the same gym that I'd been going to and I wasn't able to train with the team that I trained with. And my first thought was, well, how am I going to get that exercise? And, you know, I need to do maybe two or three or four different bits of exercise during the week, but I can't go to those places. And my partner said, don't look at it as those are the places I've got to go to. Look at it at how do I do those two or three or four bits of exercise wherever I am? So is there a gym hotel where I'm staying? You know, can I make sure I stay in a hotel that has a gym? If not, can I go for a walk? Can I go for a jog? Um, you know, how can I do more during the day? Where I do it, just make sure I do the number of bits of exercise that, that I'm used to doing so that I don't let that drop. And it, so for me, that really is, a, it's about your mentality and your approach and, and just being able to step back from everything that's going on in your life professionally and personally and understand what you want to focus on and how you achieve it. Got you, got you. Earlier on, you said uh, you work with individuals and you just give examples of how you can help and support individuals. You also said you work with, with work with businesses. What is, yeah. it, what is it that you do with businesses? So... One of the big things for me um, with businesses and, and with this topic is, I said it's all around people needing to, to talk and kind of to stick their hand up and, and communicate. And one of the big things I do and I think that I'm known for is helping people communicate better. And that's, that's one way of helping people be better versions of themselves. So for, you know, if it's someone that's going for an interview, someone that's having to give their first presentation, Maybe they're representing themselves or their business at a networking event. Um, maybe they're pitching to win some business from a new client. It's all a form of communication. And quite often people don't realize how to communicate effectively in those different ways, in an interview, in a presentation, in a pitch, um, or at a networking event. And so I help them do that, which is helping them project a different version of them. And it's it helps them project themselves in a way that, engages the whole audience by understanding why we communicate the way we do, why some people behave and communicate differently to others. 
So what I do with businesses is run communication skills workshops, uh, run coaching workshops to help managers and leaders think about how they coach um, the people in their teams. Uh, I run personal development workshops. So uh, and you know, and thinking about prioritization, time management, all these things that help us um, kind of manage ourselves and our time better and think about our own progression and our own career and our own well-being. But also I work with businesses who recognize that at a bigger level, there's just something wrong with their culture. You know, if they haven't got a culture of collaboration, if they haven't got a culture of giving people an opportunity to speak up and share their concerns, share their ideas, you know, share their hopes, their aspirations, their worries, their concerns, then it becomes a very closed business and doesn't move forward as quickly as others, doesn't become as successful as others. Yeah. People can communicate in a really effective way within an organization that they know will listen and let them be heard. That's far more productive. Yeah. So two, two things I've got there for you. So um, what's your definition of culture? Um, my definition of, definition of culture is if you were new into a company and you went in and within a day or two days, you would just get a feel for how things are done around here. Who are the people that are the key drivers of, of that culture, of how things get done? It's just that. Yeah. yeah. And how, how do you go about changing that? So if you're if you're supporting a business um, on the cultural change, um, how, how can they go about that? One of the important things is to recognise what's the culture that they're trying to get towards. And sometimes they don't know. They just know they're in a pretty crappy place at the moment. And I can help them understand why they're in a crappy place at that point in time by looking at how people behave um, as individuals or as groups, in as teams, as functions. Um, some of the, the things that are in place that, that stop people working together well and communicating well. So they've got an idea of where they want to move from. And they either know where they want to get to and they can articulate how, again, how that looks in terms of people's behaviours or I can help them think about what good looks like, where I've got experience of it from other companies. And I can kind of show them those kind of options and say, is this, is this the culture you're trying to get towards? Once they've defined where they want to get to, then it's about putting a story behind that. So how, how would that look and feel to people in the organisation? What would it look like when two people are working together? What good stuff will come from that? How would it look for someone that comes into the company brand new and has no, no idea of what it, the culture used to be like, but they're suddenly in this new culture? How would they describe it? How might your customers describe it? How would it look in your brand, in your communications, in your marketing and so on? And when you've got that and you can turn it into a story and you then get the, the leaders of the business to buy into that story and, and take ownership for it, then can start being real advocates for it further into their business and into their teams and they can share that story passionately with people and and bring everyone on board but you've what got to get it right at the beginning you can't you can't just try and do it in a very quick in a quick moment to to just no. say this is how we're going to work now uh, you know get in line get on the bus it's it's you've got to take people on the journey and you've got to have a really exciting story to tell yeah so you use the word story a number of times then can you give us an example of a of of what you what you believe is a a, a cultural story? So kind of, um, I guess I guess what I want to just make sure is that everybody's clear about about what you mean about creating a story that people buy into. What what is a, an example of a cultural story? 
Okay, well, I'll, what I'd do is use the, I use the most recent one that I've worked on with a client. Yeah. The client's name out of it, um, because it was part of a kind of a big, big program of work. And I think it's probably fairer that I do that. Uh, but a big, big company that a lot of people would recognize. Um, and what colors, were, what color, what colors the logo? Uh, actually, lots of colors. Lots yeah. of colors in the logo. Um, and the first letter? They, sorry? What's the first letter of the name? I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> X. No, it's not. But, um, and but they have different uh, different parts of the business with other sub-brands. And so what they wanted to do was start creating a bit of a uh, bringing parts of their the, the businesses together. So where they had their strong brand in the UK, they also had strong brand in Spain, in Germany, in Italy. Uh, Austria and, and we're branching more into America as well. So they wanted to start pooling together common bits of uh, common bits of resource of people, common bits of technology uh, and ways of working in order to, to make some efficiencies. Yeah. They knew that would change how things get done and how people would work together. So they brought together to start off the English part of their business and the Spanish part of their business. And this is before I joined them. And they figured that if they organized a bit of a two-day event, Spanish theme to it and a British theme to it, and got everyone to enjoy the best of both those cultures, uh, kind of English and Spanish, and then just outline who's moving to what team and, and who their new manager is. That should be fine. That should, that should mean everyone works together really well. Uh, and unsurprisingly, they found it didn't work. So people had a great two-day jolly. They loved the, the tapa, they loved the flamenco dancers and yeah. burgers and so on. Um, but then they found when, when the fun had ended and they then had together they they didn't really know why they were doing it and the businesses were of different sizes the uk business was much bigger and stronger and and in a healthier place than the spanish one so they were slightly resentful of why they suddenly had to pick up some work for the spanish business and the spanish business were a bit reluctant to let go of what they'd grown and was still in the early stages for them to this big incumbent british business so they really hadn't done much at all whilst saying you're all one team now and you might swap seats and you've different boss yeah, taking people on the journey to say why are we doing this you know what's the importance of it so it actually created quite a toxic environment where even the MDs of the respective businesses could not sit in a room together and have a healthy productive conversation for the good of the business and that's when I came in and I got to witness some of those meetings with the MDs and some of them were in a, a real moment where you find people in the room looking at their shoes thinking I can't you know I wish I wasn't in this room this is horrible this isn't and good and these are the MDs. What, what I needed to do with them and what I did do was to just well, put the brakes on and just say right let's just step back you two MDs and the people in your leadership team what, why are we doing this what's the whole purpose of bringing at least these two business areas together and then the other ones across the other countries subsequently what are you trying to achieve and why is that different why is that better why is it good for customers why is it good for the employees why is it good for the business and and how will that look and feel to all of those groups? And therefore, what does that mean for people? And what does it mean for someone who's maybe in the engineering department versus someone in the marketing department and someone who's in technology versus HR or finance? You know, what's it going to mean to them? But to put a story around it. So we spent a lot of time putting a story together of the history of the nation, what it had achieved across those different countries, why coming together was such a good thing, what they could learn from each other, what it meant in terms of opportunities for people's career progression, to learn more 
skills and knowledge and to and to opportunities maybe to work in a different country. Um, but we created some passion behind it so people could then understand what it might be like, what life would be like as part of this new culture and this new way of working. So having done that, the leaders were then behind that story and they were then confident to share that across their teams to say, right, yeah. we made a bit of a false start. Uh, it, we did it for the right reason. We just didn't go about it the right way. So we want to just re-emphasize why we're doing this and why this is going to be so good and paint this picture of the future and allow you as, as our teams to ask questions, understand it, and and we'll hopefully get your buy into it and that you'll yeah. move into this new way of working much more seamlessly and, and in a happier way. And that takes weeks. I mean, that was two months of work initially to unpick what they'd done, but then to create this story and then to bring everyone together to, to start hearing it, understanding it. It, it, it. Just culture change can't be an overnight thing. That's the thing. No, no, agree, agree. Good stuff. And um, and before we started talking about culture, you said that you did communication workshops. Mm. So what are your top two, three tips to improve communication? So if somebody's sat there and going, I'm not a very good communicator. So I hear a lot of times that um, that people aren't, aren't great public speakers and they want to... Mm-hmm. They want to be able to communicate a little bit better. They want they want to have the confidence to to talk out in a room or to give a presentation. Or so if you had a room of people like yeah. that, yeah. how would you transform them in a in in however long the workshops are? So um, I guess there's a there's different types of tips which can be about you as an individual when you're speaking and uh, what you're speaking about and who you're speaking to. So you as an individual, the biggest tips I would give is to very tactical tips um, is at the point where you're going to have to do that public speech, give that presentation, stand up and answer a question, whatever it is, take some deep breaths, really, really deep breaths kind of in and back out uh, and and hold those breaths for as long as you can, because it brings your heart rate down. Because when your heart starts racing, you panic a bit or you tumble over your words, you find you start to sweat a bit more, you're then conscious that you're sweating a bit more and it, it just snowballs and gets worse and worse. And I found that at times where, you know, before I kind of learned a lot of the skills and had opportunities to, to practice speaking publicly, I would find myself in that situation. So I've learned that you've just got to take care of yourself in those 10, 20 seconds beforehand. Um, so just really slow breathing, bring your heart rate down and to sit up straight. That's a big thing. Sit up straight or if you're standing, just stand up straight and and be proud of what you're about to do. In terms of then what you're saying, we've kind of earlier in this conversation, we talked around stories, people love stories. And it doesn't matter if you are in a finance department and you are having to present quarter figures, you can put the story around it. At the beginning of the quarter, the financial situation was X. At this point, it's Y. Some stuff will have happened in between over that quarter to change those figures in a positive or negative way. But you can put a story around it so people engage more. They become more emotionally engaged in stories more than statistics. So always think about how do I how do I engage people in, in the story of what I'm about to say. And the last tip then in terms of your audience is to remember that people are different. So there will be times where you will have had a conversation with someone and you just you hit it off straight away. You're very similar to each other and you're almost second guessing each other's words think in the same way you make decisions in the same way your behaviors are quite aligned there'll be times where you talk with someone and you're thinking why aren't they understanding what i'm saying why are they asking loads of questions or why do they look impatient or why are they going off at tangents and it's because we're all different we all behave in different ways and 
there are lots of different models out there, Myers-Briggs, Insights, um, Tetramap, that all talk about how we behave. But they're really important tools because they also represent how we communicate and how we prefer to communicate. If you imagine you're engaging an audience of 10 people, 20 people, or even two people, you've got to deliver your message, deliver your story, your speech, your presentation, your pitch, in a way that works to any of those types of people. Typically, it comes down to four types of personalities in, in most of those models. If you deliver what you're saying in a way that would engage all four of them, you're guaranteed to engage your audience. And that's really important because if you just talk in a way that works for you, you'll only get a few of them brought into it. Yeah, so go on, what are those four? So what are the four? So let me, or the version that I use, um, which doesn't go into the specifics of a psychometric, but it's based on some of them. Um, I talk about my four friends who yep. will be around me at, in the rugby team that I play with. There'll be people I work with and clients. You'll be one of them. Um, and so the first one is called Edith. Edith is very to the point. She, if it only takes a minute to have a conversation, let's just take a minute. I don't want five minutes. I don't want to hear about your weekend. I don't want to hear about the wedding you went to and, and your son's football game. Just let's get straight to the point of what we want to talk about and then move. And you, know, and you just let Edith crack on and do what she's got to do. And she makes decisions really quickly if you've given her everything she needs to know. You've then got Aaron, who is Mr. Oh, Super Organised. Just before you go on to Aaron, um, mm. is, Edith, is Edith named after somebody you know? No, it's based on one of the psychometric models. Ah, oh, right, okay. I thought, no worries. Okay. Um, so sorry, the first sorry. letter is the, is the clue. Um, yeah. There could be an Edith out there who is just like yeah. Edith. And I, no. and I know plenty of people who are just like her. Yeah. Um, Aaron then is super organised. He's the person that goes to Ikea, buys the sideboard. And then when he gets back, he loves taking all the bits out, lining them up against the wall, getting all the packs of screws out, counting that there are 12 screws of A1, and there are seven of B2, putting them into little pools and then getting the instruction manual out and following the instructions step by step because everything makes sense to Aaron. And so when you're communicating with Aaron, you've got to deliver your story, your message in a sequential, orderly way. You can't jump around the story beginning to end and then a few bits in the middle and then back to the beginning, the beginning again because he'll just be confused, he'll be lost and he, he won't believe what you're saying. So it's got to make sense to him. And a key thing is, and I see people do this a lot, if they start a presentation saying, I'm going to tell you the three top tips for how to be a better speaker, Aaron mentally is going to count three tips as you deliver them. And if you only do two, Aaron will know you've only done two. And if you do four, they'll wonder why on earth he didn't say four. That's just the way his brain is wired. So it's really important to, to be quite structured and orderly and clear. You've then got Walter, who is the guy that can walk into a room and he knows the atmosphere in the room. He's the one that wants to engage people. He's the one that always considers other people's feelings, um, the impact on other people. So storytelling guarantees that you will engage Walter because if you, if you brought him into that story, he'll want to hear it. He'll want to hear the ending. He'll want to know what happened. How did it impact people? How did it excite them? How did it change their lives? So he's very people-driven. And then finally, you've got Fiona. And Fiona um, Fiona's the person that rocks up 10 minutes late to a meeting um, not even sure she's in the right meeting um, and is a bit all over the place because she's quite last minute and that's what motivates her. That's what she likes. She doesn't want to arrive somewhere 10 minutes early like Aaron would um, and she doesn't want to get straight to the point like Edith would. She likes, she likes a conversation but she'll take the conversation this way, that way and the other way 
as her brain is firing different thoughts at her and she just verbalizes them straight away immediately. So the thing with Fiona is your presentation, your pitch has got to be exciting. It's got to have a surprise element to it. Um, and you tell her at the beginning that kind of wrap up with something absolutely fantastic that they're never going to have heard of before. She'll be beside herself waiting for what that is. Yeah. So these are, these are the four people, Edith, Aaron, Walter, Fiona, who are around us in our friendship groups and our work groups. They are our kids, they are our parents, they're us. And when you start to know people traits, some of the things that each of them would say or wouldn't say, what their body language might look like, what the tone of voice might look like, um, how they would write emails, how they would um, how they would present back, then you start to pick up on them. You can you can adapt your communication accordingly, and that's what I do in the workshops. Just I present um, either those four friends, or I might use a very specific psychometric model, and allow people to realise that actually, if I adapt my communication style slightly, and I do it in a way where I'm confident, sitting up straight, standing straight, I'm calm, I'm, I'm ready for it, um, and I know story I'm going to tell, whether it's you know, in a presentation, in an interview, whatever it might be, then they've got a whole lot more chance of being successful. Got you. And is it possible to engage all four in the same conversation? So if you're stood on stage and you've, you're looking out and, and you've got Edith's over here, you've got Fiona's over there, you've got Walter's um, at the back and and then and then the, the few other Fiona's are just walking in now because you've started yeah. and then you've she's laid. And is, is there a way to ensure that you can um, capture the majority of the audience? There absolutely is. And there's an irony to it. And I, I actually used this at um, an event in Blackpool earlier this year where I was invited to be a guest speaker. I, my my uh, speech I did was all around communication skills. And so I started it off once I'd come up onto the stage um, and I said, uh, I said, good afternoon. I would like to spend 15 minutes uh, talking with you and I'm going to talk to you about four friends of mine. These are friends that are with me in my day at work. They're with me in the evening when I'm training with them at rugby. They are my family. They are the people that I'm always around. They're in the audience today and I'm going to describe them in a way where you will feel that you know them as well. You'll recognize who they are in your life and you'll, you'll feel it in your heart and you'll feel it in your head, you'll know who they are. And by the time we're finished, I'm going to give you some amazing ideas and tips that will allow you to engage all those different people when you're communicating with them. Does that sound okay? And of course the audience go, yes, absolutely. I did my whole 15 minute presentation and at the end, I answer the exact question you just asked me. What happens when you've got a room full of people and you don't know who they are, you've never met them before, they're out there, 20 people, 100 people, 500 people, a bunch of Ediths, Aaron's, Walters, Fiona's. What do you do? Well, you do exactly what I did right at the beginning of my speech, in the beginning. So I said, I'm going to spend 15 minutes. So the Ediths in the room are going, right, you've got 15 minutes. Fine, the clock started. I'm going to tell you about four friends. So Aaron is going, right, four. I'm going to count two, three, four. I said that I'm going to allow you to engage with these people heart and in your head and you will know who they are in your families and then you'll know who they are with the people you work with so walter at that point is thinking great this is all about people and engaging with them in a bit of emotion and then i said at the end i'm going to leave you with some top tips and some ideas of what you can do to get the very best out of your conversation with them so at that point fiona's going i can't wait for these top tips and that's 20 seconds 30 seconds right at the start yeah 
we've engaged everyone who will be across that spectrum of personality. Yeah, perfect. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for that. So as you know, this uh, this podcast is called Business Problem Solved. What do you think the number one business problem is that you see? And uh, and how would you go about solving it? Number one business problem, I think, and, and guess keeping the theme of what our conversation has been around, I think it's where businesses do not have the right culture in place to empower their people, who are their greatest assets, to drive their own career to be able to stick their hand up and say, I want to do this really well. I want to do this job really, really well. And I want to be considered for manager. I want to be considered for a, a job in that team over there. And I'm going to do what it takes to, to deliver, to perform and to uh, develop myself, whether that's through workshop training, online training, mentoring, coaching, whatever it might be. Just don't create an environment that lets people do that or creates uh, the time for them to do it. They pay lip service to it. Businesses will say, you know, there's all this stuff online. We've got a great big portal with lots of learning programs on there and CBTs and questionnaires um, for you to to look at in your own time, which implies between nine and five, if you don't do any of that, you do your job to get your objectives done. And so it relies on people having to, to, you know, use time that they should be doing other things with, you know, spending time with their friends and family or exercising or whatever. Whereas an organization that says, we want you to spend time each week or each month, you know, within your working day to, to develop yourself and better yourself. So, yeah, number one business problem is a culture where they don't give people the space to grow and perform and be better for themselves and the business. So how would you challenge that? So if you went into an organization and you saw that, that was, they were not doing that, what, what question would you ask or what challenge would you give to kind of just make think, people think that actually that is the place where we want to get to? Um, I would go back to that piece around creating a story. So I would create a story with them, but do it in a, um, a slightly roundabout way where I'd say, what, what do you think? If you carry on like you are, what's going to happen? Let's, let's say you've got 100 people in your organization and you know the only way you're measuring them is by them delivering what they've got to do, meeting their objectives, you know, whatever that might be, whatever department they're in. But they don't get a chance to learn more, to develop more knowledge, to develop more skills, to learn from other people. What do you think the culture of your business and even the performance of your business is going to be like in six months or a year or two years? And, and actually, if some of those people who probably are the, the hidden talent in your business, where are they going to be? Are they going to be with you in a year's time or two years time? Or are they going to be with your competitor, helping them grow and having space to develop? As an alternative, what do you think your business and the culture of your business could be like in a year or two years time if you just gave people a little bit of time, a little bit of space and demonstrated your belief and support in them to progress themselves. What are they likely to do? They're likely to to value that for one, because they'll they'll they will see that people want to be behind them and they've got managers who support their development. And is they'll probably end up will using they'll, they'll end up using their time, their own time, to do that personal development. Because they'll realise they want to do the job really well and they might start spending their lunch times looking at CDs or doing some reading or having a coaching session. But then they might just come in a little bit early to do it or they might stay a little bit late or they might do a bit of stuff at home of their own choosing. And that's the important thing. It's their choosing to do it, not forced to do it in that time. And they will start going the extra mile. And when you've got employees who who know that they've got a, a manager and a business behind them, they will go the extra mile because they want to, as opposed to 
they're just being forced to. Yeah. That's a very different place. And so I would that's that's what I would do with a business that's you know not in a great place in terms of supporting its people. I would paint that picture of what's it going to be like if you carry on versus what could it be like if you just changed your approach and a bit around how you support your people. And quite Perfect. often then, because it's a story and it's it's got an emotion to it, you find the business think, yeah, you're right. That would be a problem if all our best people went to our competition. And I can see why it would be a happier place and the employees would be more engaged if we engage them and we believe in them. Got you. Brilliant. No, thank you. Thank you for that. Some, uh, some, a couple of random questions now. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Cool. What's the worst advice I've ever been given? Probably take your time, decide just yet. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah. Okay. The reason that's the worst advice is because it doesn't work. You're far better off making a decision there and then. Yeah. Brilliant. Good stuff, good stuff. I was asked a question this week as well, um, and I, I didn't know exactly how to answer this one, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it mm. out there. It's completely not related to this podcast, but it's just popped into my head. Um, orange, did the fruit come first or the colour? <laughs> I'm going to say fruit. Why? Because the fruit came, and they said, "What should we call it? We call it an orange," and then they said, "Actually." It's a colour, isn't it? Yes, it is a colour. What should we call that colour? Well, let's just call it an orange, because it is an okay. orange. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. And then I've I'm, never okay, googled I'm, that. That is just my answer on the hoof. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And um, carrying on the orange theme, um, what's orange and sounds like a parrot? A parrot. No, a carrot. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so, oh dear me, I'm sorry. Um, and that wasn't planned either. Um, do you have a Do you have a bad joke? Wow. Do I have a bad joke? Or a good joke. I mean, that was a good joke. No, I don't think no. I do. It doesn't mean that all my jokes are good. I just can't think of a bad one. No, and that's the, that's the proper thinking first, that as well, isn't it? It is. That it is. is. No, you can see that. I yeah, see what's that. brown and sticky? Uh, I don't know. Stick. Um, okay, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Yeah. So if, if people if people want to, uh, to to contact you, find out more about what you do, um, yeah. where, would they, where would they go? What would they do? How would they go about it? They can find me through the Momentus website, which is Momentus, which is momentandus.uk.com. Um, there's a contact form there, my phone number. They can find me on LinkedIn under James Perryman with a Y. Um, and, um, and, you know, if you want to share contact details when you publish a podcast, that's great as well. You know, the URL yep. and so on. But, you know, I would encourage people to absolutely get in contact. Um, you know, there's information on the website around kind of things I do that we've obviously talked around but if it you know if you're one of those people who you're a bit lost you've lost your mojo you've lost your motivation and you don't know what the way forward looks like just drop the line and we can start a conversation because sometimes it just takes a first conversation to get people in a better place yeah brilliant brilliant no th thank you very much for that um conscious of the time what are you having for your tea I don't know okay um and I guess that kind of concludes all of my questions, some of them which were random. <laughs> um, but I just want to say thank you very much for uh, for sharing this moment with me uh, yeah. for, the, for, for the last hour. Yeah, thank you, Lee. There. Thank you for inviting yeah. me. No, much appreciated. And uh, hopefully I'll get to, uh, to chat with you again soon. Yeah, brilliant. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Lee. Uh, all right. Cheers, James. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver. 
or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.